a good move. Why don't you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and not only am I here to steal your pornography and sodomize my vast imagination, but I'm here talking about every episode of Aqua Teen, one episode at a time, and today we are talking about Revenge of the Moonanites. Er, you've grown on me! The damn I have! Yes, we are already eight episodes into the first season now, and... Honestly, I'm surprised how quickly they brought these guys back because they appear in episode four for the first time and now we're on episode eight and they are already getting some revenge in, in a way, I suppose. But I'm not surprised in that these are clearly the most popular Aqua Teen characters outside of the main cast. So totally makes sense for them to be back. Plus, since they are voiced by just Dave Willis and Matt Malero, it's so easy for them to do these because it's just, you know, everyone is involved with the show already. They're not having to bring in new guests or anything, so it makes sense. But before we get to that good stuff, the goodies, we got other stuff to talk about, as you know. First of all, I have my first correction. Obviously, I'm sure I've made many mistakes before, but I, I want to issue a correction on this. In the previous episode, the old Drippy episode, I said that basically there's a line where Carl says he would just order a wife if he wanted one or something along those lines. And I say he does that in the next season. Well, actually, he does it in this season towards the end of the season. The reason I said next season is because for the DVDs, they split it up. And actually, the Mail Order Bride episode is on the, the Volume 2 DVD. And I knew it was season one, but I don't know. I just, off the top of my head, it came out wrong. I apologize, but nobody even said anything to me about it. So I doubt you guys care. Secondly, I want to apologize for not saying like a bunch of times in the previous episode, but not editing them out. I swear, I listened back to it and I was saying like almost every other word at some points. It was so obnoxious. So I apologize for that. I'll be a little bit more diligent. And okay, enough of that bullshit. There are two kind of news items I want to touch on. One is that Carrie Means does have a YouTube. Honestly, you should be able just to go to YouTube and search Carrie Means and find it. But otherwise, you can go to youtube.com slash C slash Carrie means Frylock to find it. He's got all sorts of videos of him at conventions, just him messing around, all sorts of good stuff. So definitely check that out if you want a look behind the fries, see what Carrie's up to. He is actively uploading to it whenever he goes to a convention and stuff like that. So definitely worth your time. That is youtube.com slash C slash Carrie means Frylock or just check the description of this podcast. Check the show notes, I guess. Secondly, Guys, there is a Discord for the Aqua Jail subreddit. So I didn't make this Discord, but I've been hanging out, chatting with people, having a good time. You guys should join. Um, you can just check the show notes. I'll put the link in there. Otherwise, you can go to the Aqua Jail subreddit if you're on Reddit. Join through the pinned post there. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to read out the whole <laughs> invite code. Just check the show notes if you want to join that, that Discord channel. It's been a lot of fun. A lot of the... Aqua Teen discords I've seen so far were like kind of poorly managed and weren't very active because it was mostly just people occasionally posting a picture of Aqua Teen or just a quote. And, I, you know, that's not really enough to drive a community. But so far, we have some really knowledgeable people who are interested in actually talking about things and not just showing m memes and stuff. And also, Carrie Means' wife is there. Frylock's wife is very active on the Discord. So, See what she's got to say. And uh, yeah, it's been really cool getting a behind-the-scenes look from her on, on certain things. Also, another active user is John Jay, a host of the Swimcast podcast, if you guys are familiar with that. He also runs a lot of pretty big you know, Adult Swim and adjacent Twitter pages. So he's got lots of in-depth knowledge, and he's got some cred, too. He was showing us a tweet from Dana Snyder shouting him out. So for sure. I mean, this guy, he had like the first... Aqua Teen fan page back in 2002, I think he said. So for sure, guys, or if you just want to chat with me, say, what's up, dude? Check the show notes, guys. It's that simple. Real quick, in case you don't know what Discord is, but you'd like to join, it's just if you're familiar with IRC, it's a, it's a chat app kind of thing. It's, it, it was made for gamers initially, but it's really exploded and way more than gaming communities are using it. Basically, <laughs> there, there's a Discord server for any community you could probably think of there. So 
yeah, it, there's phone apps. You can use it in your browser, whatever. Check the show notes for more info. Or you can feel free to email me if you have any more questions and you'd like to join and can't figure out how. Okay, so here is my favorite part of these episodes. We got some listener messages. And hmm, Nolan sent us a story. Let's, let's, hear, let's hear what Nolan has to say. Hey, Ronnie. Love the show and happy belated spirit journey for Mation anniversary. I just celebrated mine recently, too. I really love the This Week in Aqua Teen History segment because I was a kid growing up in the 2000s and remembering all the stuff that came out around that time makes me feel all warm and nostalgic inside. So my Aqua Teen origin is a little weird. I didn't watch it when it originally aired because I was too young and my mom didn't want me watching shows like that. But for most of the 2010s, I was into My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Yes, I know. Stay with me. There's a fan video of it on YouTube called Ponies the Anthology 2, which is basically like AMV hell if you or anyone else listening right now knows what that is. And there's a clip of the New Moon record scene from Mayhem of the Moonanites, and I didn't know what the show that was from was, but I wanted to find out, but I couldn't figure it out. So luckily, a year later, the creators of Ponies the Anthology came to a local convention in my town, and they screened it and had a Q&A. And when the clip came on, I turned to the guy next to me and I was like, hey, what, what's that show? And he said, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And it all just snowballed from there. I spent that entire summer binge watching the first eight seasons and I loved it. Anyways, enjoy Revenge of the Moon Nights. It's one of my favorites from season one and what got this 20-something into Foreigner. Keep on doing what you're doing, man. And remember, you don't need no instructions to know how to rock. Nolan, dude, thank you for the belated Spirit Journey Formation anniversary wishes. Very kind of you. And a happy belated to you as well, my friend. And thank you for the kind words on the show. And I really appreciate you saying you like the history segment because I always wonder, I'm like, is this necessary? You know, is this going on too long? Do people even like this? Because similar podcasts I listen to that have a similar section, usually they'll just gloss over it real quick. They don't they won't spend 10, 15 minutes on it like I do, but I guess it's like the only time I get to actually go off topic about things. Because once I get into the Aqua Teen episode, I try and just kind of stay on track unless I have something really good to say. So I, for me, I enjoy that. I mean, it's, it's really fun to see what was going on at that time. I mean, I'm sure as you guys think as well, at least I hope so. I know Nolan does at least. I mean, come on. I guess my point here is when I get into the Aqua Teen episode, I've already seen it. So I already know what to expect. So at least this part of the research is kind of a surprise. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me young. It keeps my brain working. So... Thank you for that, Nolan. I'm always second-guessing myself, and it's always great when you guys make me realize that I'm an idiot and I just need to stop worrying all the time. Really loved hearing your origin story. That's so crazy that you got into it like basically through My Little Pony. I remember I watched the first episode of that. I wanted to check out. I'm like, all right, what's this about? A lot of hype around it. This is back in 2014, maybe. And I like I thought it was fine, but I, I, I didn't watch any more of it. But super interesting how a show that was meant for kids, and I don't I don't say that in a, in a disparaging way, but a show that was made for children caught on so heavily with, with older adults. I've watched like a few documentaries and stuff about the My Little Pony fandom and all that stuff. And it's just I don't know, it's always kind of interested in me that that it went even against the creator's expectations and, and reached this totally different audience. So, yeah, that's like a crazy, <laughs> crazy loop that you went on to find Aqua Teen, but that must have been incredible being able to binge all those seasons at once. I, I can't imagine what it was like to discover all of that at once because for me, I, I would see it on TV, but I only saw what they would show, which honestly was more or less a handful of maybe 20 episodes over and over again back in the early 2000s. And then I bought some of the DVDs, but I didn't have a lot of money, so I could only buy... I only ended up with two of them. So I only got to watch those episodes a million times. So was, you know, I, there's a lot of them I still haven't seen uh, purpose, purposely at this point because I, I want them to be brand new for, the, for this podcast, but they're all in the second half of the show. But yeah, thanks, Nolan. Really appreciate hearing your story. That's like so, so wild that you, you, know, you went from A to B to C to D, basically, to find Aqua Teen. That's really, really cool. Next up, John has a story for us, and I got a feeling it's going to be a good one. Hey, Ronnie. Really enjoying your podcast. It's awesome. The in-depth research you do for the making, uh, like how things were made uh, with the show and everything, the backstories, very cool. I love learning about Aquatine. It's one of my favorite shows ever, and uh, I'm pretty sure I started watching it back in like 2003 
which I would have been 11 years old at that time. So similar situation to you kind of. And uh, yeah, I just got into like uh, adult swim in general at that time, uh, staying up way too late, watching all these weird shows when I was like, you know, younger than I should have been probably exposed to these types of weird humors and stuff. But, uh, you know, we've probably, we've probably all turned out stranger individuals, uh, you know, than we would have otherwise been. But, uh, I think that's a good thing, you know? And, uh, yeah. So, uh, I, Oh, with Carl's, the, the, uh, voice acting done for Carl is just like the greatest. It's so good. I mean, oh my God, I love it. Just like how he delivers those lines and, you know, the stuff he says, I love shake. He's the biggest asshole, but like, I, I just love him. And, uh, anyway, your podcast is great and, uh, keep it up. Can't wait for more. Thanks. John, thank you for taking the time, leaving me this nice message. And yeah, sounds like we're really in a similar boat here. And, you know, I, I plan to have kids in the next few years. And it makes me think, like, how do I handle this? Like, do I let them watch stuff that's maybe not appropriate for them, but it's still, like, good? You know, like, I was 10, 11 seeing Aqua Teen and... Some parents wouldn't let their kids watch it, but uh, you know, m- mine did, and and now I do a podcast, and I don't know if I want my kids to do a podcast. It's just a tricky situation. Yeah, John, Dave Willis does an incredible job as Carl and as Meatwad and as Ignacht and as a billion other characters. It's you know some scenes, it's it's just him having a conversation with himself, and that's not easy to do as a voice actor. So not only is this dude funny as fuck when it comes to writing and production and everything else that he's involved in but you know he's just a great voice actor and i don't know his history as a voice actor very well but i know that when he got involved with cartoon network it wasn't as a voice actor it was as like a production assistant or something so i don't know if he ever intended to voice act when he got that job or i don't know what the deal is it's something i'd definitely like to talk to him about i know in an interview i heard he was talking about how basically if they needed some auxiliary part for for an episode for other shows he was on he he would step in but you know I, I guess my question is more along the lines of did he really want to or was he just the only one able to or you know what the deal with that was but yeah Car- i mean he he blows it away as carl no one else could have done that i i don't think especially no one else could have done meatwad that is purely those are two characters purely that could only exist because of dave willis and yeah shake is great as well i mean i just love when he goes off ranting in a complete like absurd way and just has a complete meltdown. Like sometimes it's just the funniest thing and just how rude he is can be very, very funny. And yeah, just two classic characters right there. Nothing wrong with liking you some Carl and shake. But yeah, thanks John for again, taking the time to leave the message. I, I appreciate you letting me know that you appreciate the research And of course, I appreciate all you guys just for listening, of course, but especially the ones who reach out because it reminds me that there's actual people that I am having this conversation with, even though it's a one-sided conversation. It's nice to know I'm not just sitting here blabbering around for no reason. So yeah, of course, if you guys would like to send more voice messages, keep them coming, origin stories, talk about your favorite episode, favorite character, Character impersonations, guys. I can't believe we've only gotten one character impersonation. I thought that would be the, the most of what I would get. And I, I'm, I'm really happy that we're getting a lot of origin stories because I find those very, very interesting. But I, I figured the, the easy thing would be for people just to do their character impersonations. But uh, we've only gotten one so far. So if, you know, whatever you'd like to send, guys, I, I would love to incorporate basically anything I get in whatever way I can. Head to speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden or check the show notes or if you follow me on social media like twitter or instagram you can find those at aqua teen pod it's in my bio if you click the link tree there's the button to leave a voice message or of course there is dancing is forbidden.com and speaking of social media on instagram i had a question for you guys so in the last episode of this podcast the old drippy episode i was talking about how i prefer the slice of life episodes over the episodes where they have to fight some sort of villain or there's some other character and so i asked you guys on instagram which you prefer and 
I've, there's no easy way for me to phrase this question. There might be an easier way to do it than I than I have been. But yeah, I, I asked it and I was surprised we got 84% slice of life against 16% for the adventure slash villain episodes. I should say we only got about 44 people voting in that poll. But for some reason, Instagram didn't show a lot of people this story. I've noticed sometimes hundreds of people will see my stories and other times it barely cracks 100. So I don't know. But again, thank you guys for voting in that. It was 37 for Slice of Life against 7 for Adventure Slash Villain. So I was very, very, very surprised to see that. All right, enough housekeeping information. Guys, it's May 5th, 2002. What do we got going on this week? Let's check it out. Continuing with the little creepy critter theme that we had last week with Scorpion King, this week we have Spider-Man slinging its way through the charts in a very dangerous manner for two weeks straight. First week, this baby was busting through with $114 million. Second week, $71 million. That is some serious cash. So much, in fact... That Spider-Man's 39.4 million opening day gross broke Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone's record of 32.3 million for the highest single day tally of all time, a record it would then break in its second day of release with 43.6 million. Freaking try-hard Spider-Man is breaking its own records here. Holy smokes. So this movie, I've seen it, and... I remember liking it for the most part. I don't know that I saw it in theaters, but I definitely saw it around the time it came out. And then I remember they showed it to us again in school for some reason. I don't know why. They must have really been scrambling for something for us to do. But yeah, I'm not like a huge superhero kind of guy. But I remember I thought these movies were good enough. I like Tobey Maguire. This film has a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. So if somehow you haven't seen this movie... It's worth your time if you like to watch a a little spider guy sling around and kiss pretty girls. So I actually, last week I was talking about the game that came out with this movie. And what's interesting is the game came out before the movie. Although I honestly don't know that the game and movie share any similar plot points. Maybe one of you guys played the game and can clue me in. But I'm not sure if they're actually related other than having Spider-Men in them. But it was, you know, marketed as the the movie for the game and it shared cover art and stuff like that. Spider-Man does have a shared cast member with not Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. And that shared cast member is Bruce Campbell. He played the ring announcer in Spider-Man and Chicken Biddle in the Aqua Teen film. So there you go. Shared cast member. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Moving on to TV on the 6th, so a day after this episode aired, but I'm not going to care enough to talk about it next week. The first Monday Night Raw episode under the World Wrestling Entertainment name is broadcast after following a lawsuit by the World Wildlife Foundation for the initials WWF. So yeah, it used to be WWF. Any wrestling fan obviously knows this. Then it went to WWE, which it still is to this day. So yeah, this is this is when that happened. I, I was a big wrestling fan growing up because my dad was into it, so he'd always have it on. And then my cousin got into it. So, you know, we kind of had that shared hobby. If I guess if you could call watching a show a hobby. But yeah, I was really big into wrestling for quite a while. Probably until I was like 12 or 13, maybe. Then I kind of grew out of it. But yeah, people to this day still refer to it as WWF. But you can't do that because World Wildlife Foundation does not like it. Okay? You're going to make that little panda cry. You keep calling it WWF. That's it for television and film. And... Music this week is... Hey, you want to know what's going on in music this week, guys? Go check out last week's episode on Oldry because it's all the same stuff. We have Ashanti rocking the charts again with the same single, the same album, and then we have our alternative chart again with Jimmy Eat World's The Middle. So since last week, I listened to... There's a podcast I like called The Throwback Pod, and it's a music podcast where they'll ha- like listen through an older-ish album and then kind of just talk over it and the guys are really funny on it but they actually did an episode on Jimmy Eat World's Bleed American which the middle is off of so I did get to kind of check that band out I I got to hear the whole album and there's some actually really good songs on there too so that was kind of cool that they put out an episode around the same time that I was saying oh I need to look into Jimmy Eat World more (laughs) so if you would like to do that definitely check out the throwback pod because our normal charts didn't give us anything new And you guys know I like talking about music. I 
found something that came out a little bit before this episode aired that would be worth discussing really quick. I'll be around You write about the stars Each one is a setting sun We have Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Now, caveat here, the album was streamable for free on the band's website as of September 18th, 2001. But April 23rd, 2002, so a couple weeks before this episode airs, this album becomes available officially via retail release. So you can finally buy it. You can finally get your CD or your cassette or whatever you want. So yeah, it actually it, it came out not long after Aqua Teen debuted. But here we are on Aqua Teen's eighth episode, and you can finally buy this album. And when I say it was available for, for free on their website, younger listeners, like this wasn't really a thing at the time. This was this was a pretty big deal at the, you know, most people probably weren't even on the internet, but if you were, you might not be able to even stream it. So this was really forward thinking of them. But yes, this is a very highly regarded album. It's considered by many critics one of the greatest albums of the 2000s. It's Wilco's best-selling work. I like some Wilco songs. I'm not huge on them, and I, I, I'd like to look into them more. But everything I've heard from them, I've enjoyed well enough. I really appreciate their work ethic, especially this album. My understanding is it was like really chopped together with all different tape and stuff like that. Just a really interesting art rock, indie rock with like a country tinge to it. Some of the members were a part of a group called Uncle Tupelo, which was like an alternative country, country rock kind of band from the late 80s, early 90s, which is also very interesting. I really like things that implement country into them, but aren't pure country. So Uncle Tupelo is really cool. Wilco, I really enjoy. And these are both Illinois bands, which I'm from Illinois, so that's that's always cool. But all right, okay. <laughs> enough with the music, enough with the Wilco. Let's talk about some video games. How about video games this week, guys? We actually have something to talk about. We have The Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind coming out for Windows computers on May 1st, so four days before this episode of Aqua Teen airs. And this is the first 3D Elder Scrolls game. I'm sure everyone has heard of Skyrim at this point. I actually played this for the first time a couple weeks ago on stream because I've never really played a Elder Scrolls game. So I checked it out because if you have Xbox Game Pass, even on PC, you can get like the Game Pass thing, which is what I have. You can play all the Elder Scrolls games for free. So it's like, oh, fuck it. I'll check out Morrowind because everyone tells me to check it out. So yeah, I did. And I liked it well enough. It's just, I just don't have the time to put into an, an RPG this vast. But for sure, I think when the next Elder Scrolls game comes out, I'm going to get into it that way. I've played a little bit of Skyrim here and there, but I never got as into it as I'd like to. So I think when the next one comes out, that'll be my jumping point because, you know, I hear Morrowind is still considered one of the best because of how atmospheric it is and the, the interesting things that it does that later games didn't do. But again, I just don't have the time and it's, it's a bit of an older game. So you kind of have to run some mods if you want some modern upgrades to it and all that good stuff. But yes, I'm sure lots of you guys definitely have played a, an Elder Scrolls game, but I'm sure some of you have, have played this back in 2002 when Morrowind just came out. And I'd imagine that'd be a, an insane time because from what I played of it, even by 2021 standards, I still, I still enjoyed what I, what I experienced. Okay, so you just saw Spider-Man earlier in the week. You're playing Morrowind and you got your brand new retail copy of Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot sitting next to you on your desk. It's Sunday night. What's coming on Adult Swim? Hmm, I don't know. Let's check it out. At 10 p.m. we have Home Movies with The Party. And at 10.30 we also have Home Movies with Impressions. So this is kind of a throwback to the earlier days of Adult Swim in September of 2001 because they would typically have two Home Movies episodes. So we have two Home Movies episodes here. And then after that, we have an episode of Baby Blues, The Bad Family. None of these episodes are new, but they are good nonetheless. 11.30, we are bringing in the big boy with Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Revenge of the Moon Knights, a brand new airing. And then at 11.45, another new airing with C-Lab 2021's Swimming in Oblivion. After those, we get two episodes of Space Ghost, Banjo, and Boo, which are not new, but very enjoyable episodes. So a solid night here, nothing too crazy, but at least we get more than Aqua Teen being new, which, hey, a new Aqua Teen, I mean, that's still a pretty damn good night, I have to say. So I've set the stage. I think you guys are ready. Let's, let's talk about Revenge of the Moon Knights, hmm? Revenge of the Moon Knights, airing May 5th, 
2002. This is our first episode directed by somebody other than Dave Willis and Matt Malero. This one was directed by Jay Edwards. We've already talked about Jay on this podcast. He directed both the Assisted Living Dracula uh, show that they watch in Aqua Teen, as well as Vegetable Man. So definitely go back to those episodes. I believe they are Bus of the Undead and Mayhem of the Moon Knights, if you want to hear a little bit more about his other work. But yeah, he... He directs this episode. He is basically involved in nearly every episode of the show as an editor, a producer, all sorts of stuff. Just one of those guys that was pivotal to Aqua Teen. After Aqua Teen, he went to work on such shows as Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, another Dave Willis series, which is really good. And most recently was involved in Kid Cosmic, a Netflix children's show. I apologize because I consistently forget to mention the parental advisory or like what these episodes are rated when they aired um i know that the last two old drippy and space conflict from beyond pluto were both pg and this one is tv 14 so i believe this the the revenge of the moon Knights, as well as mayhem of the moon Knights, are the only episodes so far to be rated anything other than pg so all right we open with a dr weird skit as we always have so far this one I will play. It's just some great voice acting from C. Martin Croker. The premise here is we we open to Steve standing in front of like the giant garage door, as I call it, in Dr. Weird's lab. And Dr. Weird says, behold, Steve doesn't know what's going on. The door opens and we see Dr. Weird just standing there saying, behold. And the joke is he's supposed to be invisible. So they give you this double play of at first he looks invisible because you don't see anything in front of the door. But then it opens and he is standing there. So it's this like really smart, really tight joke here that I really enjoy. So I will play the clip. And then at the very end of the clip, the Moon Knight ship comes down from the, the sky and flies away. So we get some foreshadowing. We know this is a Moon Knight episode. And it, this is also our first episode since Balloonenstein episode 5. We are now on episode 8, reminder, that the Dr. Weird skit has any sort of relation to the full Aqua Teen episode. What? <laughs> Hang on. And now, behold! <laughs> you supposed to do something? Am I not invisible? <laughs> no. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, so great use here of them bringing in that Moon Knight ship, and you, you hear the audio as well. And then that leads us directly into our episode. So we open to Meatwad counting some tickets. They're the kind of tickets you would get from like a Chuck E. Cheese or some sort of video arcade or something like that. They're prize tickets, I guess. You win them and then you can exchange them for some sort of prize at the establishment. So it's kind of funny that Meatwad has them at home. I guess he's just saving them up. And he's in his bedroom trying to count them. And Shake is standing by the door just fucking him up, just yelling out random numbers. And I feel like this is probably something we've all done to somebody at some point. I know I certainly have just yelling out random numbers to mess somebody up. And then Frylock will step in to reprimand Shake. So let's check this little scene out. One, two, 42, 1973, 18. <laughs> oh, shut up! One, 100,000! Will you let him count his tickets? What? I'm just, I'm just teaching him. Now go ahead, <laughs> Thank you, Frylock. I appreciate that. One, two, um, What's up, five? Damn it, Meatwad. <laughs> seven. You have seven Harvest Time tickets, okay? Then how am I ever going to win that ton speed? How are you ever going to ride at 10 speed with no friggin' legs? <laughs> You're just going to bust the ass that you don't even have. Who bothered to spawn you? And why? You know? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. So a detail in Meatwad's room. I don't know if I've pointed it out before, but there is a ton of sand coming out of his closet. And this... Brings us back to the previous episode, Old Drippy, where I forgot to mention. So when Shake is going to leave the house in that episode, he, he's going to move out. Meatwad hands him a bag with his stuff in it, which is just sand. And Meatwad says, because Shake eats sand. And it's revealed later that Meatwad eats sand as well. 
And yeah, the, the, this is their source of sand. It's just all coming out of Meatwad's closet somehow. No idea how they got it there because it's a lot of sand. It's like a mountain of sand in there. But very funny detail. But yeah, Meatwad, he can't count past two. And this actually comes up later in the show as well, like in the next se- season. So I'll point it out then. But yeah, little error here is that Frylock says that Meatwad has seven tickets. But if you count them yourself, there are eight and I really do not think this was intentional because it goes against Frylock's character. He's supposed to be a genius. He built all sorts of gadgets, time travel machines, this and that. He should be able to count to eight. So I think that there was some sort of discrepancy between the voice acting and the animation. But we learn why Meatwad has these tickets. He is saving up for a 10-speed. For those who don't know, a 10-speed is a kind of bicycle. And then Shake just goes off on him. I love this little this little rant from Shake almost of just <laughs> digging into Meatwad. And Frylock isn't playing along with it. But yeah, Frylock is going to explain now why Meatwad shouldn't be spending all his money on these tickets. And then the Moon Knight ship lowers next to the Aquatine house and the Moon Knights break in to join in on the fun. Meatwad. Maybe you ought to save your money instead of blowing it all in harvest time. But I'm addicted to it. <laughs> Life is not about winning material goods. No, it's about taking material goods when others aren't looking. That's right. Hey, guys, good to see you. How long's it been? Er, you've grown on me. The damn I have. I thought I told you never to come back here again. The fry man is not excited to see us. Well, that's a mistake. Come on, you man, let's go break the law to fill your primitive needs. Well, I don't think so. Last time you were here, you threw me out an old lady's mailbox and you made me Moon Boy Scout Troop 324. Ha <laughs> ha we did. Well, <laughs> this time we won't. So I assume that the the things that Meatwad says that the Moonanites did to him were done in Mayhem of the Moonanites, but the things that he describes never happen in that episode. So it's possible they just happened off screen. But it makes me wonder if the Moonanites have come around since then, because Shake says like, "Oh, er, you've grown on me." And yeah, that's just kind of where my mind went. But I figure that it, they're probably just alluding to Mayhem of the Moon and Nights. And it makes sense that Shake is happy to see them because last time he saw them, they hooked him up with all sorts of free electronics. So totally within Shake's personality to be happy to see these guys. A line that I honestly didn't ever catch until now was Ignignox saying the fry man is not excited to see us and then Ur is saying that is a mistake <laughs> I don't know why I never picked up on that before but that's probably my favorite line from the episode so far but yeah before the Moon Knights came in Frylock was telling Meatwad why he shouldn't be going after these material goods and I love I love Meatwad just happily with a smile on his face saying that he's addicted <laughs> to harvest time the uh, the arcade he goes to I guess but I'm addicted to it. So a weird like animation thing I picked up on here. When the Moon Knights are outside the house, we see Shake is on the far side of the room. And then the Moon Knights break in through the window. And then we see Shake. And at the bottom left of the screen, you'll see like a line that looks like it's one of the Moon Knights' arms. In fact, I'm pretty sure it is. And the drawings on the walls behind Shake, once we zoom out and see where the Moon Knights are, we know that he's next to them. But so anyways, when we're zoomed in on Shake, before we zoom out to see the Moon Knights, Shake starts walking towards the Moon Knights. And then when it zooms out, he's like walking from far away up to them, even though in the previous like clip where we saw him, he was evidently right next to them. Like I said, you could see one of the Moon Knights arms and you can see the exact same drawings on the wall. So it's like he was next to them. But then when they drew him in, in like a, a, a far shot, when they pull back, you see him walking from further away than he really was. It's just kind of a kind of an interesting little thing I picked up on there cuz like like I was I was focusing on the drawings on the walls. I'm like, "Oh, are they using the same drawings on the walls on both sides of the room, which would make sense, you know, to to save time for themselves." But they weren't. It was just some sort of weird staging that they messed up. But yeah, basically the Moon Knights pop in. They're trying to make Meatwad a bad boy. They want to hang out with Meatwad again because he's so impressionable. And Frylock comes in saying, no, it's not going to happen. You're not taking him with you. Do you all have any eggs? I don't know, guys. Let me check. Because I'm totally going to mess someone's house up. Yes, eggs or pot. Either one. <laughs> hey, uh, Frylock, do we have any pot? No, we don't. <laughs> Marijuana is illegal. What about nitrous, man? Shut up, her. Fryman, <laughs> we're full of religion now. 
Everyone, please, bow your heads and pretend to be serious. Do it or I'll bow for you. <laughs> One of my favorite lines is, now bow your heads and pretend to be serious. That's just such a, a great observation for someone who's not particularly religious. It, especially because they're not, they're not about to eat or anything. They're just talking and... And Ignacio is saying this to get out of trouble, so he's just like, "Oh, let let let's be serious," because he wants Frylight to forget that they were asking for pot. Great too of Meatwad asking if they have any pot. It's just so similar to a child hearing something and then just repeating it without really knowing what they're asking or what they're talking about. But Frylock, he's already he's already had enough. He's already at his limit. He throws these guys out of the house. You have deeply offended us and our god, and our god is a god of vengeance and horror. And action! Our god is an Indian that turns into a wolf. Yeah, wolfing, man. Well, the wolfen will come for you with his razor. Just a short clip, but according to the Aquatine fandom wiki, in a Fox News broadcast during the 2007 Boston Moonanite scare, this line was repeated on national television in an attempt to explain the Moonanites. So... When all that went down, if you don't know, just Google the Boston Moonanite scare. I'm sure you'll find it. Basically, in promotion for the Aqua Teen film in 2007, they put around these Ignignacht and Ur like LED panels around, I think, a few cities. But in Boston, they thought it was a bomb, so they had to call in like bomb squad and stuff. Anyways, while all that controversy was going on, I guess Fox News played this, like, because obviously nobody knows who the Moonanites are unless you watch Aqua Teen. And so they played this, and, and I would leave it to Fox to play something mentioning God or something to, to scare people. Oh, this is an evil show or something. So yeah, not surprising, but uh, I guess, yeah, that's the clip that, that Fox chose to play. All right, so yeah, just a short clip, and then Meatwad rolls in because he is intrigued by their offer to help get him a 10-speed. Hey, you guys, did you say that it would be easy to get whatever I want? Like a tense speed because that's what I really want. Getting it is easy. Filling it with illegal substances and sending it across the border is not. <laughs> yeah, see, those dogs, they can smell anything. So you gotta kick them in the throat. Well, hey now, guys, look. <laughs> I do not want to do anything illegal here. But I would kill somebody in front of their own mama to get a tense speed. <laughs> and if anybody testifies against me, I got their eyes out. Let's go get drunk and rip off a 10 speed. Yeah, we'll get a basket and a horn on the house. Yeah, they won't set it on fire and wreck it in the children and laugh at their parents and then we get on the... <laughs> oh, man, I'm toasted. The innocent shall suffer big time. Come on, let's go while I'm feeling it. So just a very crazy scene. Lots of twists and turns. Meatwad doesn't want to do anything illegal to get his 10 speed, but then very quickly goes into this monologue about how he would kill someone in front of their own mother just to get a 10 speed. And then Ur joins in. He, they're just all playing off each other and all the horrible things that they're willing to do. I want to point out how when Ur starts going off about the stuff he's going to do, Meatwad has a very distraught look on his face, even though Meatwad was just saying some really monstrous things before this. And then they go off to Funhouse, the name of the arcade. So I was wrong. The I guess the game is Harvest Time that he's playing. And yeah, so we are now at Funhouse. And the establishing shot for this really looks like it's from some old cartoon. I, I don't know what it's from, but it really does not look like they made it for the show. I think they grabbed this from something from probably the 60s or 70s. We see it's just a, like a barn-looking place, and then there's a big face drawn on the top. It says Funhouse across, and then there's a carousel in the background, and we see some tents behind the building. Once we get inside, we see Harvest Time, the game that Miwad's been spending all his money on. He's addicted to it, and it's just one of those games where you roll the ball down like this long alleyway kind of thing, and then it pops up, and you have to like get it into the hole. It's just one of those classic kind of carnival games that honestly I don't think are that fun at all so it's surprising to see Meatwad is addicted to this but yeah that's that's where they're at so the object of the game is to get this machine somehow to spit out tickets <laughs> now I really haven't figured out how that works yet <laughs> and I don't know what these wooden balls are for I mean I've been eating them <laughs> hey look at that tickets are coming out that's why I'm doing it okay so yeah it's called harvest time and the reason I didn't think that I thought Harvest Time was the name of the place he's at is because I'm like, how, how, what does this have to do with harvest animals or anything? But there are animals painted or the, sorry, there are animals that you have to like hit with the ball when it goes up the ramp. So that's why it's called Harvest Time. Looking at the 
set up more. There are five animals on this game where you that you can hit, and each one is for different points. So at the bottom right, we have a chicken for 50 points. Bottom left, a pig for 100 points. Top right, I believe that's a lamb for 150 points. Top left, we have a cow for 200 points. And then in the center, we have a king cobra for 250 points. So just this total, this this animal out of left field doesn't make any sense why there's a, a, a cobra there. But yeah, that's that's the highest point animal that you can get in the very center. But here it's revealed that Meatwad doesn't even know how to play the game. He doesn't understand what he does to get the tickets to come out. So it's very, 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 very funny that he is addicted to this game, but he doesn't even know how it works. He just knows somehow sometimes tickets come out. And he just eats the wooden balls that you use to roll down the alleyway, for lack of a better term. And Ur just jumps right up on and starts jumping on the the cobra. And the machine is just spitting out tickets. And Meatwad is very happy about it. So you think that's the end of it, right? They have a mountain of tickets. Meatwad can finally get his 10 speed. But in the next scene, instantly, we just see Ur holding a foreigner belt. So it's basically the body of a guitar looks to be modeled after a Les Paul of some sort with an F on it. It's it's probably pure silver and the belt part is supposed to be like the guitar neck. And believe me when I say Meatwad is not happy about this turn of events. Yes! Check it out! I thought we were getting all tense, but we forgot <laughs> all about your needs. We were too busy fulfilling our own. Your belt is stupid. Oh yeah, well your face is stupid. Oh, Goblin, you're all a Goblin. The wearer of this belt shall possess all the superpowers of 70s supergroup, Foreigner. <laughs> you bet I will. Commence testing immediately. Where are y'all going? Quit asking questions! <laughs> okay, so they went to Carl's house and Ignignacht hoisted Ur up through Carl's window. He broke through Carl's window, but... Before we get to our next scene, little bit of uh, an error here. They say that Foreigner is a 70s supergroup, and I don't think that Foreigner is considered a supergroup. While one of the members wasn't King Crimson before they founded Foreigner, the other guys really weren't that big. And the definition of a supergroup is an exceptionally successful rock group or one formed by musicians already famous from playing in other groups. So I suppose... The first half of that definition is an exceptionally successful rock group, which Foreigner certainly was and is. But they weren't founded by people already famous, necessarily. The other members were in bands that had some success. But but let me read you some other supergroups, and I think this will kind of cement in your mind what a supergroup is. So probably the biggest supergroup is the Traveling Wilburys. I believe that's how it's pronounced, which had George Harrison from The Beatles, Bob Dylan... Tom Petty, Jeff Lynne from Electric Light Orchestra, and Roy Orbison in it. So some insanely huge musicians coming together to form a band. That's my impression of a supergroup. There's also Audio Slave, which has Chris Cornell from Soundgarden and his own solo stuff, meeting up with the guys from Rage Against the Machine. So that's a supergroup. The Highwaymen, which was Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, and Chris Christopherson. And then more recently, Them Crooked Vultures with Dave Grohl from Nirvana and Foo Fighters. Josh, I think it's Home from Queens of the Stone Age and Eagles of Death Metal and John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. So those are my ideas of a supergroup. So I, I guess the definition says an exceptionally successful rock group, which again, Foreigner absolutely was. But I, whenever I looked up lists of supergroups, Foreigner was not listed there. So I, I don't know. I, I, I realize this is pedantic, but again, none of the guys were really super famous before the band came together. Anyways, back to the episode yeah, Meatwad was upset because they didn't get the 10 speed and Ignignacht is like, ah, oh, we, we stopped caring about what you wanted. We were fulfilling our own desires. And you'll notice in this episode, Ignignacht's voice is actually a little bit higher than it normally is. I wonder what the story behind that is because I don't think it's really affected. I think that's mostly just Dave Willis's voice, unlike Ur's voice, which is pitched up. So I'm not really sure why that is. And I, I can't blame them for getting the foreigner belt because supposedly, we haven't seen yet, but supposedly it has powers. And I think that's better than a bicycle. But yeah, they break into Carl's house. Let's see how that goes for them. Hey, guys, 
What are you doing in my house without my permission? <laughs> We're here to take your pornography and sodomize our vast imaginations. So give us the damn magazines. Oh, I'll give you a magazine there, buddy. Hey, it's full of hollow points. You're going to love it when I put those in a gun and then put them in your brain. Don't try to stop us, fat man. We are in control, Carl. There's nothing you can do. You are powerless. We have the foreigner belt. So yeah, they break in. Carl, obviously, as any person would feel, is not having it. And then they say, hey, we have the foreigner belt. And you'll instantly see a shift in Carl's tone now. He's very into the foreigner belt. Wait a second. Is that from the 83 tour? Yeah, I <laughs> saw those guys in the Meadowlands with Brian Adams. That was a kick-ass show. I totally copped this feel off this passed-out broad while they were playing Urgent. Every time I hear Urgent on the radio, I think of that girl's boobs and... Covered in vomit. You like the belt, huh? What do you think? Hell yeah, I like that belt. Well, how will you like the belt when you're cold as ice? <laughs> classic. Total classic. Oh, oh my god, my throat is stiffening. Ah, it worked. Uh, get as much porn as you can carry <laughs> and grab the other end of this dresser. Hurry before he thaws. Ignig knocked an Ur using the foreigner belt to freeze Carl, making him cold as ice. So yeah, Carl, he loves the foreigner belt. And he says, is that from the 83 tour? Well, I looked up and from what I could find, foreigner did not do an 83 tour. It looks like they toured in 82 and 85, but not 83. Actually, there's only a couple shows I could find online of even documenting them playing in 83. So yeah, it looks like the writers just kind of made this up. Brian Adams did do three shows in May of 1983 at the Brendan Byron Arena, East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is called the Meadowlands. So it looks like Adams played there, but I don't think Foreigner did. Foreigner did play at the Meadowlands in 82. And actually, it looks like Brian Adams was on a lot of those shows around that time with them. But from every instance of, that, of those shows I could find, it was just Foreigner and Duke Jupiter playing at the Meadowlands uh, on July 9th and 10th of 82. So, yeah, unfortunately, this, this magical gig never happened, Carl. Hey, guys, so I'm actually coming at you after the fact, after I recorded and researched all that, just to see on the Aqua Teen fandom wiki that they kind of explain this. They say that um, Journey and Brian Adams did play in the Meadowlands in 83 so maybe carl was confusing foreigner with journey which is a possibility but carl's so into these bands i think i don't think that he would confuse them but i, th I think maybe it's more likely that the writers confused them but i don't know anyways back to the previously recorded material and it appears that the meadowlands has since shut down since 2015 so both Aqua Teen and the Meadowlands ending their historic runs in 2015. Not a fan of Carl talking about how he copped a feel off of a passed out woman, but uh, I think the point is that he's a shitty character, but yeah, that's not great. For those who don't know, uh, when they reference Cold as Ice, that is a foreigner song. Just a very classic, classic rock song. But yeah, they use that power to make Carl cold as ice and they loot his room of pornography and take his dresser. From there, the Moonanites take Meatwad to the woods where they consume said pornography and decide to burn the dresser. Man, you gotta check this out. Oh, yeah, baby. That's a new car she's washing. <laughs> you think that's a straight six? I think I have a straight six. <laughs> Ooh, uh, your sexual innuendo is priceless. This pornography is infinitely excellent. This dresser, however, is very boring. Yeah, get rid of it! Torch the dresser, Meatwad. Great joke of... Meatwad is like, oh, yeah, but he's just looking at the car. He's not into the naked women. And a straight six is a type of car engine. I had to look that up because I am not a grease monkey. I'm not fiddling around under the hood. But yeah, Ignacht and Erwan meet Watt to burn the dresser, and he doesn't really want to. But this is where Carl keeps his clothes. Look, these women don't have any clothes, and they're not complaining. Yeah, man, they're <laughs> kissing each other. And you want Carl to be forever kissed, don't you? <laughs> well, I'm not sorry. Then you will torch the dresser. Because you're a 
dirty white boy. Hell yeah, I'm a dirty white boy. I'm a lean man ground beef machine. <laughs> Here comes the flame, boys. Yes! Oh, look what you just did. That was bad. <laughs> You're in trouble. Oh, no. Oh, wait, man, hold on. Julie. There is life. Very sweet of Meatwad to care about where Carl will put his clothes. But the, the Moon Knights are like, hey, these women don't have any clothes in these magazines and they're kissing each other. They're very happy. Don't you want Carl to be kissed? Or or I believe the phrasing was forever kissed. <laughs> and Meatwad's just, well, I guess so. But <laughs> So the mechanism that they use to torch the dresser is they put a, a cigarette in Meatwad's mouth and he just kind of rolls up and spits it into the dresser. And then instantly the dresser catches fire and parts of the forest catch fire as well. And of course, instantly Ignacht and Ur turn on Meatwad and like, oh, you're in trouble because of course they're not going to pay for any of these crimes. Oh, but I forgot to mention that whenever you hear like some guitar sounds, that's them trying to use the belt. And they persuaded Meatwad to set fire to the dresser because they used the foreigner belt's magic powers against him to convince him to do it. So I don't think he would have done it without them having the foreigner belt to influence his thoughts. And yeah, they quote the song Dirty White Boy. Um, that's like the spell that they do with the bell. I'm actually not familiar with that Foreigner song. It doesn't seem to be one of their bigger hits. I'm sure it's still a hit, but it's not like a classic huge hit that you'll hear a thousand times on classic rock radio. Anyways, I'm going to skip the next tiny little short scene. It's basically Carl Frozen in his block of ice still back at his house. And then you you pan over and, and we see that there is a tanning bed in his bedroom. So then he starts to like hop over there in the block of ice to thaw himself out, which is funny because that tanning bed was not there before, but it's there now and it's a big plot device. So in this next scene here, after that happens, we just have the Moonanites and Meatwad returning back to the Aquatine's house. We just came from Christmas caroling out in the woods. Oh yeah, I heard about the woods on the news. Someone burned them down. Did they really? All the little birds and squirrels got burned out. I mean, I hate nature. Now you give me a bear and a woman. I give that water bear worked out. Meatwad. Oh my God. goodness. Easy killer. <laughs> so, Er putting a cigarette in Meatwad's mouth. Yeah, Meatwad's going to give that water bed a workout, which is gross. I, I remember my mom's friend had a water bed when I was a kid, and I remember sitting on it and thinking it was so cool. And now I think it's, first of all, gross that I even sat on that. But also... Uh, yeah, just surprising language for Meatwad. But again, he only does that after they use the Foreigner Belt's magic on him. And this episode is very Matt Malero because he's a shredder. He's a guitar god. And he's a he's a huge fan of all these kinds of bands. I remember there's, uh, I think it's the official Adult Swim podcast where Dana Snyder mentioned specifically that this is Matt's kind of music. And Dana doesn't know anything about any of this kind of music. But these Foreigner references are definitely coming from Matt. So it's good to see his influence. Obviously, I'm not super learned on him as a person. I'm more knowledgeable on Dave, but this I can clearly see is some Matt Malero influence. And I'm sure these guitar parts that we hear from the Foreigner belts are Matt Malero because they're not from Foreigner songs. Obviously, they could not afford to license those songs. So yeah, Meatwad is a bad boy because of the Foreigner belt this time. The Moon Knights don't really have as much of an influence on him as they did in Mayhem of the Moon Knights. Because it seems like he's learned better, but since they have the foreigner belt, they can influence his thinking. And now Ignacht and Ur are about to tell off Frylock. What is this, prison camp? I mean, come on. Can no one have fun here? Yeah, Frylock, please, just this is pornography. Uh-oh. Where on earth did you get this? Uh-oh. Yeah, where? I gotta confiscate this. Give it all to me. I need to learn how to read. Back here. Your neighbor Carl was gracious enough to let us rip him off and burn his furniture for no reason. Now, what are you gonna do about it? Yeah, man, what are you gonna do about it? I'm about to show you, little man, right now. Oh, good, because I'd love to see it. So we have a, a conflict brewing here, and there's a great little action there where Ignignac is patting Meatwad on the head, which is just so funny. And, and I'm glad somebody isn't really afraid to touch Meatwad, but Shake scoops up the pornography magazines once he hears that they have porno mags in the house. And it's the same animation of when he steals Carl's newspaper in the Bus of the Undead episode. He just flips around and picks him up. He does almost like a, like a cartwheel or a somersault or something. And he says he's got to go learn to read them in the back. But yeah, remember in Mayhem of the Moon and Knights, Frylock easily defeated the Moon and Knights, and he's threatening to do the same thing again. So let's see how that plays out this time. Fryman, fill your eyes. 
with double vision. My eyes! I can't see straight. What have you done to me? You're a jukebox hero. You've got stars in your eyes. Yes, I'll show you stars. Take this. <laughs> what are you doing, no, buddy? I, I, what I'm doing in here is private. Damn it, Shake. Put that girly book down and get your ass out here and help me. Come on, dirty white boy. Instructions. And bring your urine. You're not going to get away with this. Try to get me. Great uh, little gag as the Moon Knights and Meatwad run out the doors or just knocks the phone off of the charger as they run out. So what happens is they use the foreigner belts to give Frylock double vision another foreigner song. And then when Frylock tries to shoot his lasers or his uh, energy balls out of his eyes, it's all messed up because his eyes are going all over the place, all crazy double visioned. And he blows a hole in the wall. We see Shake is masturbating, (laughs) looking at the magazines. And we learn that Ur doesn't really know anything about classic rock, which is funny. And then Ignignoct references Jukebox Hero, which is one of Foreigner's other biggest songs. As they leave, Ignignoct tells Meatwad to bring his urine, which I'm not really sure why. I, I don't know, knowing the next scenes, how that relates to anything. But yeah, Ignignoct tells Meatwad to bring his urine, and the Moon Knights and Meatwad leave the house, and then Shake comes up to talk to Frylock, who has some double vision. Oh, no! Frylock, you have a problem. You're a drunk. This ain't no game. We need to get that belt so I can disable it. What belt? Okay, so, yeah, the the door is closed, and then Frylock walks into it, smashing his nose into it. And then, so, Shake asks what belt, because he hasn't actually seen the foreigner belt yet. All all he was fixated on was the pornography. And then you assume, you know, Frylock tells him what the belt does, because in this next scene, we have... Moonanites and Miwad in the pool and Shake comes up to them asking them to help him out trying to try and get chicks. Assuming I assume he's uh interested now that he's seen the porno mags. He he wants he wants the real thing. It ain't that funny! <laughs> hey, there you are, buddy! Hey, what's up? Hey, you know, Frylock says he got this magic belt that grants wishes. Yes, cup. <laughs> <laughs> you know those magazines you guys brought over really made me start thinking. I... Could you bring me some girls? And <laughs> it shall be so. Are you ready to work for the weekend? Because I'm going to turn you loose to hot girls in love. <laughs> Did you do it? Yeah, that was it. I'm... Are you sure? I'm... Yeah. I think I'm feeling it. Oh, yes, I'm feeling it. Whoa! Okay, where do I stand? Out in the middle of the street. And be sure to close your eyes tight. That's the only way the babes can see you. <laughs> yes! <laughs> So, again, er, demonstrating that he doesn't know anything about Foreigner, at least, because he mentions Hot Girls in Love and Working for the Weekend, which are not Foreigner songs. I think the belt really had no effect over Shake, and they're just fucking with him and just tell him to go stand in the street with his eyes closed. And I just love the silence after he asks them if they have the Foreigner belt, and then Ignignac says, yes, cup, and then they just stare at each other <laughs> like nobody says anything, and, and that's such a great way to respond. He's just, yes, cup we do and then and the moon and knights aren't interested in furthering that discussion at all and and then shake brings it upon himself to keep talking about it even though they clearly don't really want to that scene ends with shake running to the street he's all he's all excited and then we cut into carl's bedroom where his head at least is defrosted at this point next to the tanning bed oh thank god i left this on jamaican so yeah, that's it. Um, furthering the plot along, obviously Carl's going to come back at some point. He is defrosting, and once he's defrosted, he will be back in the show. But until then, we cut back to Shake standing in the road with his eyes closed. All right. Now come on, hot girls. <laughs> you know you're in love. <laughs> Man, how come it ain't working on him? Because those are lover boy songs, er. Isn't that right, Meat Man? <laughs> And Loverboy has always sucked. Oh, no, they don't. <laughs> I saw them in 85 at Madison Square, and they kicked ass. So, yeah, Ignignacht proved me correct because he's not actually saying foreigner songs. It's not working with the foreigner belt. And you'll notice when Shake is standing in the road, a truck drives by, and it's the same truck that kills Old Drippy in the previous episode. We also saw that... Ignignac was holding Meatwad under the water, just abusing him, poor guy. Carl comes back to the scene and he reveals that he saw Loverboy at Madison Square Garden in 1985. I looked that up and it doesn't look like they played Madison Square Garden in 85. I saw two Texas shows and one Germany show. That's all I could find. So don't think this happened either. 
Looks Like Loverboy played in New York State in both 84 and 86, but I'm not seeing a Madison Square Garden. But all right, we have our big standoff now between Carl and the Moon Knights. Carl, you're striped with radiation. Shut up about that. You give me that belt. Well, come and get it if you think you're man enough. Hey, man, you took my belt. Try using the belt without this. The instructions. Just try. I don't need no instructions to know how to rock. <laughs> You're hot-blooded. Go ahead and check it and see. Try as you may, yeah. Carl, but you cannot heat up our moon juices. Hey, man, I'm getting kind of hot. Well, I'm not, uh... Oh, wait, yes, I am. Ship, come in. <laughs> Air conditioner, turn on. You better run. <laughs> you better leave lights, because I'm done breathing this water. Yeah, I should have mentioned that Carl has an awful sunburn on his head from defrosting so close to the tanning bed. But he steals the the foreigner belt. And as you hear, he doesn't need no instructions to know how to rock. He heats up the water by quoting Hot-Blooded, another classic foreigner song. The water starts boiling, and the Moon Knights turn red, which I, is a great animation. I love that. And they call their ship in, and they head out. And Meatwad comes back up and is like, yeah, I'm done breathing that water. Like, he had anything to do with any of this. He just got lucky that Carl saved him, basically. And I'd also think that water boiling with some ground beef in it, uh, he might start to cook. I, I, I would be careful if I was Meatwad. So after Carl saves the day, which according to the fandom wiki is the only time that Carl actually stops the Moon Knights in the whole series. Frylock comes up saying that he's got the Moon Knights, but he's just holding two of Carl's azalea bushes. Remember, his eyes are still double-visioned. Thanks, Carl. I've got them both right here. Now you tell me where that belt is. <laughs> I mean, those are my freaking azalea bushes there. So yeah, just a short little silly clip there. And then in this next scene, we have uh, kind of a recreation or a callback to Mayhem of the Moon Knights when Ignignoct is on the ship and he's flipping them off. He says, I'm doing this as hard as I can. Well, now he goes even harder than that. This is an unbearable strain, but I'm doing it as hard as I've ever done it before. <laughs> so basically, it's just his middle finger extending even further to a pretty uh, decent length there. I'm surprised how, how hard he can do it. The Earth spinning in the background here looks a little bit different than the Mayhem of the Moon and Nights episode. It looks like it's more spinning more than it did in that previous episode where it was just kind of moving a little bit. It's hard to describe. But all right, um, we, we go back to Earth, back to Carl's backyard. And of course, they don't know that Ignoct is flipping them off. They don't care, even though he's doing it as hard as he's ever done. It doesn't matter because they are totally clueless that he's even doing it. And they're talking about the foreigner belt. Yeah, this belt's pretty badass. Almost makes me want to uh, squeeze into my badass red jeans. <laughs> hey, Carl, does that belt reverse the spells? Yes. The balls. You're not Carl. Well, I'm not. <laughs> Hang on there, Fry Man. I got a button here somewhere. Oh, what is this? Who set this on head games? Okay, <laughs> Carl. So, uh, uh, kind of a lot going on in this short clip. We have Carl likes the belt. It makes him want to fit into his red jeans or slip into them, which is <laughs> something makes you want to change your jeans. That's kind of funny. But, anyways. Meatwad trolling Frylock because Frylock can't see correctly and he thinks he's talking to Carl, but he's talking to Meatwad and Meatwad just fucks with him. And then Carl goes to change Frylock back. He says, it's funny, he says there's a button right here, but he doesn't move his arms or anything. It just, it just starts playing. But he, I guess, was thinking about the song Head Games and he turns his head into a Connect Four board. Meatwad rolls over to Carl, and when he moves over to him, you actually notice that he doesn't roll. He just kind of slides over to him, which is a very funny animation. This this just some sort of error, I guess. I don't know. Maybe they were just running out of time, and they had to finish this up quick. But nice Meatwad. He's going over to console Carl. It's okay that his head is a Connect Four board now. Oh, 
Maybe it's not okay. <laughs> but with computers nowadays, <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to leave the house. <laughs> it's true, man. I mean, I'm on my computer all the time. You don't have to leave the house. You can order your food. You can, you know, Carl works from the home. He works on his computer, I assume. You don't got to go anywhere, Carl. And then our last and final clip, we have Shake is still standing in the middle of the road with his eyes closed, and it ends up exactly how you would expect it to. Hit by a school bus, uh, maybe even the bus of the undead, who knows? But yes, Shake uh, is presumably dead here. Real quick, I want to mention that Shake was in the road trying to get chicks, and we still have yet to see a woman on the show, at least not on like a, a magazine cover or something. And yeah, that's the episode. That's Revenge of the Moon and Nights. And I want to point out real quick that in the outro, this is our second episode where we get uh, an animated outro. When they are on the moon, the Moon and Nights are added to, to that slide. But I don't believe that it is in other episodes without the Moon and Nights. But yeah, the, uh, a, a nice touch because I did complain about that last week. So overall, Revenge of the Moon and Nights, I think the pacing is a lot better than in Mayhem of the Moon and Nights. It's a bit quicker. Things are quicker to happen. I don't feel like there are as many iconic moments as Mayhem of the Moon and Nights, but I appreciate all the classic rock jokes. And it's, it's good to see, you know, Matt Malero kind of get more of his personality into there. And, and this, this episode is just so uniquely Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I couldn't really see another show doing an episode like this. I got to give this episode... Four Harvest Time tickets out of five. I, I really enjoyed it, um, especially watching again for this podcast. It, it's so many times now when I watch these episodes, I am not like super impressed on first watch, but after I dissect them so much, I really come to appreciate them more. So it's just another instance of being thankful that I get to do this podcast. And of course, thankful that you guys are listening. Thank you so much. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, check the show notes. Of course, check out dancingisforbidden.com to see how to listen to the show. I don't know how you guys are listening, but you know you can listen all sorts of ways. You can listen through your browser. You can listen on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, whatever. I mean, any podcasting app should work. And please send more voice messages. I'm fresh out as always. I'm, I'm going week to week and you guys always come through clutch uh, sending me something in to play on the show. And yeah, just uh, feel free to follow me on social media. Find those in the show notes as well. And exciting news is that on the Aqua Teen Discord, since Carrie Mean's wife is on there, uh, she kind of reached out to me and was like, oh, well, if you want Carrie on the show, let me know. So I'm starting to write some questions to get Carrie on the show here. I'd like to interview him. If you guys have any questions, I'll reach out to you probably on Instagram and say like, if you have anything... Uh, send me send me your questions. I'd like to get some good, thoughtful questions that he probably hasn't heard a thousand times. So yeah, if you have questions now, feel free to email them to me, dancingisforbiddenpod at gmail.com. Otherwise, like I said, I will reach out on Instagram. But yeah, that's it for me, guys. Next week, we are talking about episode nine, which is MCP Pants, one of my favorite episodes. So I'm super, super excited to talk about this one. So until then, keep on rocking, guys. Keep on rocking and rolling. 